Petri Dish is a product of Petri Dish Media, all rights reserved. Petri Dish is a science comedy podcast and should not be used as medical advice. Do not get medical advice from a podcast. And therefore, as a free man, I take pride in the words, Ich bin ein Science! Science! Yes. I know the human being and science can just peacefully. This was their finest. Today's episode of Petri Dish is presented to you by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast. It provides podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so that you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently joined as a member, and you can too. It's really easy. You just need to apply to become a member, and you're immediately connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's at podgo.co, P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Guys, welcome to Petri Dish. I'm Nathan. And I'm Sean. You know, kimchi's been in the news a lot recently. The BTS endorsement of Napa cabbage was really big. Uh, it turns out the South Korean government is making a new kimchi uh, coronavirus vaccine. Sure. Right? And that's going to just go straight into the heart, one dose, and no more COVID. <laughs> into the heart, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, unlike most vaccines, cabbage-based vaccines, they're for the soul. <laughs> yeah. I got you. Well, I mean, so your average Korean does eat 57 pounds of beju kimchi every year. And apparently, you know, kimchi keeps you from getting heart disease, diabetes, cancer, preventing aging and death and all that kind of stuff. Right. Nearly everything else besides what I said. <laughs> kimchi is very good for you. Yeah. Or maybe it's not. Well, I okay. mean, that's kind of the thing we're going to interrogate, right? Right. So what I will say is if you read some kinds of scientific literature or websites, if you just look at some websites about kimchi, right. they will say that kimchi helps with everything. If you listen to some historians, kimchi's the reason of Korean supremacy across the last thousand years. Sure. Why did Korea have a great empire and colonize Japan? <laughs> because of kimchi. Well, why does the Korean wave exist? Okay, why is BTS and TWICE out there gyrating and everyone watching? For the last 30 years. Kimchi. Yeah, I mean, like, people don't know this. RM is 55. Yeah. He doesn't look like it. G-Dragon, a thousand-year-old. Yeah. G-Dragon was also known as King Sejong at one point in time. (laughs) He invented the Korean alphabet. Now, the thing is, though, what the fuck is kimchi? Right. Okay. Does it really have these health benefits? We we talked about how pickling has so much sodium, and depending on the type of pickling, maybe it's not even that good for you. Right. All right. So, let's talk about all of these controversial things that are going to get us canceled right. in South Korea. Let, let me just say one thing real quick before mom, you know, gets mad. Let's do it. Kimchi, kimchi's good for you. Yeah. Right. yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, okay, okay. It tastes good, at yeah. least. So, spoiler, it is good. <laughs> well, let's talk about those nuances. North Korean kimchi is bad for you. <laughs> South Korean kimchi is good for you. Ah, uh, propaganda. Delicious. <laughs> so, Sean, what is kimchi? Yeah, so it's Korean pickled fermented vegetables. Can you imagine if we had an audience member who, like, legitimate was like, what? <laughs> okay, I, well, but see, the thing is, if you were a uh, standard white person, let's say. Right, I maybe, basically am. Maybe you'd seen some kimchi in a Korean restaurant or something Sure, like that, right? I've had a little kimchi. It's fun. It's a little ethnic (laughs) i like it but maybe then you have a friend takes you into a korean market right and you see an entire wall of kimchi right and it's all kinds of shit yeah there's like hundreds of types of kimchi right so you could be excused for wondering what the fuck actually is kimchi right and so what i'm trying to say is that it is vegetables broadly right we're used to the cabbage variant the one you were talking about earlier the pekche uh cabbage (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) kimchi but there's actually a bunch yeah yeah, the number that I see in papers keeps varying. It's like over a hundred, right? Just keep over two hundred, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. over nine thousand. <laughs> yeah, I actually only started liking kimchi when I lived in Korea for a while, and it's kind of a Stockholm syndrome thing. You just end up eating kimchi because <laughs> yeah. you're hungry, waiting for food, and you're too poor to buy more meat. Sure. But second, some kimchi is really savory. Some isn't spicy. Some's really spicy. Mm-hmm. Well, none of them get that spicy usually. But, right. But but like some are just salty. Uh, some are sweet. I had some kalbi jim, which is like kind of a slow-cooked beef rib with a little bit of this sweet kimchi. And it was just like, 
my favorite thing I'd had ever when it came to the world of kimchi, and I kind of changed my mind on it. You know, like, there's actually oh, so much variety. Yeah, and a lot of kimchi is red, but some of it is just kind of a white color, you know? It, yeah. It's, it's got they, all kinds of They can't afford pepper in North Korea. <laughs> like, their kimchi is, like, mulut kimchi. It's, like, kind yeah. of watery yeah. and, like, really white and as pale as the coal mine workers who eat it, you know? <laughs> so, I think the most honest thing that we can say about kimchi is that it is not totally clear when it came into existence or from where, Right. Kimchi as it exists now is from Korea, obviously. Yeah. There are some things that are out there that are like, oh, Koreans picked this up because Chinese people were salting vegetables and then that sure. kind of got over into Korea. Right. But people have been salting meats and veggies all over the world. Right. Independent of each other. Right. right. It's not really that hard to get to that point in life. It doesn't need to be a transmitted idea. Right. So, you know, I don't know if it had to have been from China that Korea got this. Korea did get a lot of things from China, just yeah. in general. Right. But, you know, it, it doesn't have to be. And we're not totally sure when. Right. What we do know is that by the time of the Three Kingdoms period in China, Korea was already known for its skill in producing fermented foods. Yeah. It actually gets mentioned in the records of the Three Kingdoms. Here, read it, Sean. Read it in your sexy voice. The Goguryeo people... Korean people. The Goguryeo people are skilled in making fermented foods, such as wine, soybean paste, and salted and fermented fish. And Sean, what modern regions were under the control of the Goguryeo? <laughs> uh -oh. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, for people who don't know, there's a lot of kind of nationalist myth-making, or, you know, myth. Uh, there's a lot of nationalist kind of revisionist history in some Korean universities around, like, the size of early Korean states and whether that means, you know, one should invade Manchuria and conquer it. Sure, know? yeah. Yeah. This is common, of course, in Japan, too, China, whatever. Like, East Asia is, like, Europe 1913. Just <laughs> say, like, a lot of fun. It's a, there's a lot of uh, tempers running hot. Yeah. People are hot on this. There's also something called the Samguk Sagi, which is a record of the Three Kingdoms period of Korea. Lots of Three Kingdoms periods. <laughs> yeah, Asia just loved Three Kingdoms. <laughs> there's actually two Three Kingdoms periods in Korea, right? right? There's the early and the later Three Kingdoms periods. Right. That's annoying. Anyway, and it mentions the ungi or pickle jar. So we know that Koreans were pickling shit for like one to two thousand years. Have you ever had a two thousand year old kimchi? What does that even taste like? <laughs> These ongi jars are fucking old. <laughs> It'd probably, probably just be a liquid at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just drink it right up. It's like in the ancient pyramids. They find like some kimchi jars. Scientists <laughs> <laughs> tried a 2,000 year old Egyptian kimchi. <laughs> so this kind of pickling is the brine pickled lacto fermented kind that we talked about in our episode. Not the vinegar pickling but the actually fermented pickling. You know, vinegar is pretty expensive in Korea for some reason. Yeah. So he's never just talking about that. We just got like, we just paid 90 cents for like fucking 14 gallons of vinegar at Costco. Yeah. But in Korea, it's like nine bucks for like one thing. Why is it so expensive? Well, our theory is that just base ass, base gas, like white vinegar is not that commonly used. Okay. So you have like your apple vinegar. You have your like whatever barley or whatever the fuck vinegar sure. like like you have like these weirder more esoteric vinegars that you choose from for cooking okay and so it's just not like it just seems like it's not mass produced from as base ass ingredients as you do in like you know like america or something that's why everyone needs to travel is to learn about all these differences in culture. That's true, that's like true. Like vinegar prices. If people traveled, they would understand why we need universal health care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we got there. We could be like South Korea and Denmark. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, so basically, lacto-fermented foods, typically, I mean, we're talking about vegetables when it comes to kimchi, and it's most kinds of vegetables at one point or another have ended up being pickled and called kimchi. Okay. Very cool. And so, you know, there is some controversy over when kimchi became its kind of like modern form. I mean, I thought the Japanese introduced it in 1910. <laughs> Dude, whoa, <laughs> that's a live nerve. Yeah. So what I mean in modern form, by the way, the most popular kind of kimchi in terms of how much is consumed yeah. is the beju kimchi I mentioned earlier. Right. It's the leafy cabbage kimchi that everyone knows. Right. It's actually not the most ancient form at all because that type of cabbage didn't come to Korea till later. 
Right, so that kind of cabbage did not come into existence until later, like maybe the 1500s. Ah, that's or... when China sailed to, to California, right? And Genghis Khan <laughs> made Native Americans, right? <laughs> oh, I'm shit. mixing up books. I'm mixing up books for mom. <laughs> yeah, getting very complicated. Um, so maybe the earliest time period that this kind of cabbage, what we call Napa cabbage, came into existence was maybe 1000 AD. And at that point, it was probably from just like out in the wild, a crossing between radish and bok choy. Right. And that probably happened somewhere in China. Dude, bok choy is fucking delicious, by the way. Yeah. I didn't really eat bamboo shoot or bok choy to like much. I'm talking like real late in life, uh -huh. like 57 or something. <laughs> and fuck, they're good. <laughs> well, uh, let's get back to all it. right i mean there's no punchline it's I'm, just like they're really tasty well so this is a little side tangent but radishes and bok choy are all part of the same family actually what they're actually the same that species makes of sense. plants i'm imagining them yeah yeah and so they're like more or less the same species like okay, so we fuck them we make napa cabbage yeah and this probably happened out in the wild and then some chinese people were like holy shit that's pretty good. <laughs> like, what's yeah. that? <laughs> so they probably grabbed some of that. And then eventually that made it over to Korea. Now... Oh, did it go through Japan first, though? Well, I think for that one, it probably went straight to Korea. But how quickly is a little bit controversial. Oh. Like I said, you know, this happened maybe 1000 AD to 1500 AD. The right. time period's not super nailed down. Right. But sometime in there, it was created, or naturally, and then they started growing it. Right. But the records of it showing up in Korea is not until like the 1800s. Interesting. So then one wonders, does it have anything to do with the Imjin War when Japan invaded Korea in 1592? You keep bringing this shit up, but that's all about red peppers, you son of a bitch. I'm oh, talking oops. about Napa cabbage right now. <laughs> Wait, you should me read your notes? <laughs> okay, keep going, keep going. I'm sorry. Uh, okay, so uh, Napa cabbage, by the way, Napa in that is from Japanese. Right, so no connection to Napa Valley. <laughs> yes, exactly. Napa okay. Valley is from Native American, probably. Oh, okay. But uh, Sean, excuse you. What type of Native American? Okay. I don't know. There are diverse peoples. Yes, and it is a relatively specific peoples that I do not remember. Ow. I just slapped him. <laughs> oh, no. it hurt. Yeah, um, oh, oh, just by the way, Napa cabbage is more closely related to, you know, bok choy and turnips mm. than regular cabbage. Oh, that's cool. So Napa cabbage and regular cabbage pretty far apart from each other. Regular cabbage is actually more closely related to broccoli. That's why that shit sucks. Yeah, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we have some controversy over when did Napa cabbage show up in Korea? Okay. I think 1800s is surprisingly late if that is when it showed up. Right. Because it'd been around for 300 to 800 years in China. Right. And Korea is physically connected to China. Sure. But Why you, know, I mean, you also never know. Sure. You know, Japan didn't really have sushi until the 1800s during the Edo period. Because yeah. you had capitalism, right? You had like more and more merchants all fucking in the same like... Like, Yuki or whatever, you know, floating worlds. Everyone's fucking in Edo. Sure. That, that was very stream of consciousness of me. <laughs> but, you know, you'd be banging people in Tokyo and people would be like, get your fish. <laughs> get your fish. I mean, sushi wow. actually was a fast food in its origin. Sure. Yeah, it was like all these broke-ass merchants would be like, ah, I'll eat that fish now. And, you know, fancy people were like, ah, I don't want to eat fish like that. That's too fast. That was very stream of consciousness. So <laughs> <laughs> I think we should keep it. You made a detour into fucking, and I'm not actually sure. <laughs> well, well, it's kind of a cul-de-sac of fucking. Well, like, <laughs> there, <laughs> there's an anthropological reason I said that, but it's not worth going into. Great. Anyway, so, okay, but so somewhere between 1,000 to 1,800. Koreans started making bechu kimchi. Yes. But they also need the red pepper. Right. So that's another thing is when people think about kimchi now, they classically think about it as red. Right. right? Even though, like, historically, mul kimchi, that was, like, again, a lot more watery, a lot of salt, like, really salty, was very common. It's not until, like, fucking Columbus that anyone outside of the Americas has that kind of red pepper. Right. So because capsicum anum cultivars, which are basically all of the different kinds of red pepper out there. Dude, capsicum sounds like... Like a Battlestar Galactica ship or like spinoff, like Capsicum. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a bunch of other very sexually active cyborg people. I mean, the whole thing, Capsicum Anum. Capsicum Anum. The year of the Capsicum. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so this plant's native to South America. So, you know, in Hungary, people love paprika. Yeah. Paprika is made from Capsicum Anum. Yeah. So they didn't have that shit. 
until post-Columbian exchange. Sure. Like, there's a whole range of peppers and foods in India. Right. Motherfuckers didn't have any of that shit until, like, 1500, basically. Uh, 1600, like, more likely. Because you had to incorporate into trade routes. Yeah, yeah. But I would say that by the time 1600 rolled around, India and Thailand both definitely had capsicum anum plants growing in their lands. You were telling me this, but like, you know, you got red peppers on a boat, Portuguese people trying to sell it, and the European response at first was like, ah! (laughs) (laughs) It's too hot! Whereas like Thai and Indian people were like, ooh! (laughs) Like, that's what I was looking for, baby. Yeah, yeah, because they were used to eating things with a lot of spices. You know, there weren't a lot of Thai people in Thailand, like, around 1600. That's Um, interesting. Yeah, the Thai invaded that region, like, I think in the 1700s. Wow, shit. Yeah, it's a fairly... I mean, it's not a new group. Those motherfuckers were living somewhere else. But, but like, them having a Thai land is is fairly recent. That's interesting. I do know just that Portuguese traders started by pushing their product right. a lot in India. And it makes sense, because they were in India, they were in East Timor, right? So they were in that area. Yeah. And they're like, I gotta trade something for nutmeg, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they were doing a lot of this trading. And so they've been doing that trading, you know, starting in the mid-1500s, let's say. Right. And one of the places they famously traded with was Japan. In yes. the port of Nagasaki. Yes. Now, in Korean culture, right? Gochugaro, or red pepper flakes. Mm. Very big deal in modern Korean cooking. Yeah, it's all over the place. And so some sort of aspects of Korean nationalism consider gochugaru to be like a pretty important part of Korean culture. Right. And the Korean red chili pepper or the Korean chili pepper is also considered pretty important. And Korea is generally upset at Japan over a lot of things. Yeah. Especially historically. Except right? Stacy. Stacy's super chill about it. That's nice. Stacey knows like a really nice Japanese lady. <laughs> and she's like, whack, like, imagine all the people. Sure, yeah. yeah. I want everyone to get along. I don't. Uh, well, what? You're so naughty. <laughs> anyway. Uh, competition is what creates progress, Sean. But the main point is, <laughs> there is a story out there, and you can find it reading Wikipedia articles sometimes, or Uh-oh. in some different, you know, food blogs or something, that the way that chili peppers arrived in Korea was that the Japanese brought them during their failed invasions of Korea. Yeah. The Imjin Wars. Yeah. Uh, in the, the late 1500s. Yeah. Right, like uh, 1592 or something like that. It, you it, know that because I just said that, you son of a bitch. Oh, did you? Yeah, I said that like five minutes ago, and you wow. chastised me for, I just for, completely for preempting you so 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 often. <laughs> oh, right. I was so mad that you did <laughs> yeah, that. You I was saw in a rage. <laughs> anyway, um, so because Korea really hates the idea of being invaded. And, I mean, fair enough. And that Japan had, you know, basically yeah. established... I mean, Americans hate the idea of being invaded even when we're not invaded. <laughs> we just have immigrants. That's true. I, I think I think because Japan did successfully take over Korea... Right, it makes it a little harsher. ...in the early 20th century, mm. I think that, that like... That sharpens the spear a little bit. Right, exactly. Yeah. And so... Which uh, was bad, by the way. Sharpened spears? Well, that's true, but imperialism. <laughs> yes. I just, I think we have a very uh, neutral tone right now. Right. Invading countries is naughty. Right. I don't like it. Yeah. So what I'm trying to say is that it's possible that that is the right time period for chili peppers to have gotten introduced to Korea. Right. Whether it was introduced during a specific invasion period or like, I mean, usually stuff gets introduced during kind of broader periods of exchange and kind of over time through acculturation. Yeah. So I'm a little skeptical that like, like what? Some Japanese guys, their boats got sunk by turtle ships and then like... They were like cooking with peppers on the side of the river, nah, right? You know, they, like, they were they were shooting their arrows <laughs> yeah, with yeah. peppers tied to them. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's definitely what happened. Anyway, so this th- Korean guy gets hit in the side with a pepper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, "What's that?" He's like, "Oh my god! Oh, this is great! <laughs> Got to put it in kimchi." Um, uh, but during that time period, yeah, yeah. And so, I guess the reason why I'm harping on this so much is that personally, my conception of how this happened is the bechu cabbage probably came over from China. Sometime before the 1800s. Right. And probably in multiple steps and different people in isolated communities. Like, I'm sure it was like a long process. Right. And then I think the chili peppers got traded into Korea, potentially just straight up by the Portuguese, but it could have been through China. It could have been through Japan or something, you know, but traded over the course of a few decades. Right. Unrelated to this invasion. Yeah. 
Again, uh, you're just thinking about other stuff when you're being invaded. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's like a whole bunch of weird nationalist shit that I had to read. Right. To like create this I, episode. I see you have, you have like a shit list now. Yeah. Those guys are bad historians. Yeah, fuck you guys. Okay, what the fuck is wrong with you? How, how, how could you... So basically what they're saying is that the Korean chili pepper is native to Korea. Wow. And that, sure, maybe there are some chili peppers native to South America, but specifically one kind of chili pepper is native to East Asia in Korea specifically. And you can tell because it's just the right amount of spicy to make kimchi. Right. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, it's, a, it's like, why do we need to invent... Like, why, why, why does something have to be native to a land for it to be good and to be important to the food? Like, sure. so many cuisines radically change after the Colombian exchange, you know? Oh, and yeah. they exchange for the better. All, all over the place. Yeah, really, all Yeah, per, all all, all, yeah. across the entire world, right. except England. Because what the fuck <laughs> <about that>? Yeah, well, <laughs> English food didn't change. They just, you know, brought some people back. <laughs> yeah. They were like, more eel pie, please. <laughs> Disgusting. But... Another specious argument is that, oh, we just call kimchi kimchi, but we call white kimchi white kimchi. So red kimchi must be the original, and white kimchi must be derivative, which means that kimchi must have always been red. That's so... Stupid? Yeah, that's, like, really weird. Yeah, it was written in a fucking academic paper that I had to read. Yeah. By these fuckers. This is, like, the, the Kimchi Institute of Korea or something like Dude, that. Dude, you're a fucking my ass right now. <laughs> no, it's absurd. I believe that, <laughs> I believe it. You know, I, I said something earlier that I actually think is not fully true. I was saying how, like, culture tends to disseminate through, like, long periods of, of dialogue. Mm -hmm. But, you know, there are occasionally things, even in the past, that just, like, blew up. Sure. You know, I mean, like, sugar and coffee is a great example. So Europeans knew about sugar a little bit earlier because sugar's not native to the New World. Sugar, like, kind of disseminated through India into Egypt into Venetians. Sure. And they knew about sugar. Once you could capitalize sugar and produce it, you know, through plantations, people just, like, fucking got that shit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, like, I bet you peppers actually got into Southeast Asia, like, pretty quickly. Like, within maybe, like, two decades. People were just like, whoa! Right? I mean, Lord knows. American soldiers come into South Korea. They bring some spam. Fucking everyone's in Budajige. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, like, like a week later. Yeah, spam blasted <laughs> off. Yeah. But, you know, I, I think that's true, especially because in places like India, right, they were very used to spicing their food. Like, they got yeah. it, right? They were used to trade. They were doing all that shit, and they wanted spicy food. So it fit right into their way of living. Yeah. Well, in any case, point being, kimchi, it arose at some point in the past. Right, right. kimchi <laughs> comes from somewhere. <laughs> and it, you know, it... It probably was a different form, but now the most popular kind made from Napa cabbage and is, having a lot of cochucaro in is there. Is more modern than some variants of kimchi. Yeah. Although questionable about how modern it really is anyway. Sure. And just broadly, it's quintessentially Korean. I don't think it needs any more defense than that. It's delicious and it's Korean. You know? Yeah. No uh, problems. What is a, an imagined community show? <laughs> what is a nation? Wow. Beautiful. Well, let's take a break. Yes. <laughs> I'm running hot. I'm still mad at these <laughs> faux scholars. Let's take a break. And then when we get back, let's talk about some of the major ingredients of kimchi and whether there are health benefits. Hi, guys. This is Stacy Sung. I'm a proud pet owner of a little leopard gecko named Bruce. And even though I love her, she's hard to read because she's a lizard. I never know her feelings, except when she bites. But she never bites, so I never know how she feels. Luckily for me, Goop has a new line of mood crystals for pets. Just put one wherever your pet sleeps at night, and it will synchronize with its subconscious aura. It works because, well, Gwyneth says so. The crystal changes colors with your pet's mood. Now I know my little Bruce is always sleepy, because the color is always green. Thanks to Goop Mood Crystals. So guys, listen to Stacy Song, as in me, and go to www.goopcrystals.com and use the promo code PetriDish to get 10% off your Goop purchase. So what's in kimchi? So kimchi, it's always got some kind of veggie in it, sometimes multiple veggies, okay? A lot of the time we're talking about some kind of radish, we're talking about some kind of cabbage, napa cabbage, cucumber, okay? But you can use all kinds of veggies. How about salt? I love salt. Salt is a major ingredient. You need it. Okay, because it is brine pickled, so it is required. 
And then you have some kind of flavor paste. Koreans love flavor paste. This is like the... There's a lot of cultures where this is true. In Korea, fermented pastes oh, are yeah. like the secret to basically 99% of Korean cooking. Sure. If you're going to have a stew, you got to have some kind of paste you in there. You need paste. Yeah. So this paste usually has some kind of sugar. A lot of times it's got gochugaro, the chili pepper flakes. It's going to have some garlic, usually some ginger. And then usually with kimchi, some kind of fresh or fermented, but typically salted seafood. A group of food called chotkal in green. You need that umami. Yeah. You know what gochukara makes me think of? What? Anime. Because I just imagine a little cute little chibi being like, gochukara. Like, it's oh. like it's like either like a little, one of those little animated idol groups, or it's just like a little friend, and it's like a solid day's kind of kind of slice of life about like a little hero named gochukara. Sure. Gochukara. You know? Make it. Make it happen. No, gochi means penis. <laughs> so that's why you need to make it happen. That's no, the that's no. the double meaning. That's, for, <laughs> yeah. that's the one for the adults watching with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> they like know the whole time it's about penis. Are there health benefits to kimchi? <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so look. Uh, there was the Korean oh, Olympics, right? I can right? see you. When were the Korean Olympics? The second time around? It was kind of recently, right? Uh, it was like, it's like six years ago or some shit. I, I was in Korea for the World Cup in 2002. Okay. I don't know what the fuck else has happened in Korea because that shit was crazy. Yeah, so, well, so in any case, I remember that there was a relatively recent Olympics in Korea. Right, and everyone was talking about Kim and kimchi. Right, and it was like, oh, all of the Olympic athletes are eating a lot of kimchi because of its health benefits. Yeah. And it's going to make it so that they can, like, Michael Phelps... Michael Phelps. And like, he smokes oh! like an extra dose of weed and then he eats a shitload of kimchi. Oh! <laughs> right? So like, people were fucking just going to town over the health benefits of kimchi. And it's like, eh. Well, it's just, oh. okay. Let's the, interrogate. There's that. a lot of stuff that goes into kimchi. A lot of the things that go into kimchi have the potential to be healthy. A lot of vegetables have plenty of vitamins and they're low in carbs and fat, right? We got a lot of potential here. But kimchi is a fermented food. And fermenting does alter the chemical makeup of food. Okay. okay. And we talked about this in the pickling episode. There are some vitamins, for example, that do not survive the pickling process. Right. Okay. So after fermentation, Bechu kimchi has some vitamin A and then some B vitamins. B1, B2, B3, B6, B9. Are those like different chemical ends at the end of that vitamin? Like why are they all Bs but like different numbering? Yeah, I'm trying to remember where the B part came from because they are different molecules. Yeah. They are entirely separate molecules. They're all mostly water-soluble. These are the names of my ping-pong team and all the alternates because we're beta 1, beta 2, <laughs> beta 3. We're the betas. But uh, <laughs> then... mural ping-pong. They have real names too, like folate and yeah. stuff like that. Niacin. Okay. And vitamin K. So those are the main vitamins that Beju Kimchi has. So if you are deficient in these vitamins, kimchi can probably help you out. Kimchi is not the only food that has these vitamins, but right. they are all vitamins, which means that they are essential to your health. If it was the only food with those, we'd like all be eating kimchi. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> to live! Well, it's also delicious, so, you know, there's that. Kimchi also has some polyunsaturated fatty acids, mostly octadeca, dianoic, and trianoic acids. Oh, that was a big word. <laughs> but they're basically just different kinds of fatty acids with some double bonds in different spots. Sexy. It's not entirely clear what the health benefits of specific fatty acids are or aren't, but omega-3 fatty acids, which people like to talk about a lot, yeah. fall into the same category. Dude, I remember when mom was having us eat all those fish oil pills. Yeah. So I, I don't like omega-3. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I'm you're, mad at that. You're very wary of them. Now. I'm mad. Well, there are some similar fatty acids in kimchi. So okay, maybe cool. you can get it that way. Kimchi also has a lot of iron. It's got some calcium, as mama likes to say. Okay. Uh, copper, magnesium, phosphorus, potassium, and zinc. And a lot of sodium. Well, I need a lot of sodium. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> I get sure a lot of sodium. You, yeah, yeah. You're mostly sodium at this point. You're very salty. I'm salty. But I will say that kimchi is often somewhat less salty than other pickled vegetables. Oh, that's good. So I've read some different things about this. Some people say that the capsicum... Or the capsaicin from the gochukaro mm. helps discourage some microbial growth. Right. So you can use a little bit less salt than you would for some other pickles. It does seem by intelligent design that it's the no. perfect amount of capsicum. Don't. It must be native <laughs> to Korea. Wow, fuck you. <laughs> You're going to make me hot all over again. Um, <laughs> you look good. Fuck. Okay. Your nips get all soft. So when I was describing 
the different vitamins. Yeah. I did not mention vitamin C. Right, yes. That's a big one, right? Vitamin C is in a lot of the stuff going into kimchi. Oh, but. But there is pretty much no vitamin C once kimchi is done fermenting. That's interesting. The fermentation process just like fucking obliterates vitamin C. Vitamin right? C is not particularly stable. Mm. So so in things that do have vitamin C, you usually have to add some stuff to help stabilize it. Right. Uh, and it does not last in kimchi. If you read nutritional labels from kimchi you buy at the Korean market, it says 0% vitamin C or doesn't mention vitamin C at all. This is why they had that weird cross promotion in 98. It was Tang in Korea. It was like, it was like kimchi hago Tang, kimchi hago Tang, 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 Moga, Moga, Tang, Tang. It was like a bottle of Tang yeah, yeah. with like a Ziploc bag of kimchi yeah, yeah, duct tape to yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> it just like made all the peony jumps, dude. It was huge and convenience store. So this is interesting because I have read on like 20 different blogs and shit that kimchi is high in vitamin C. Oh, those tricky fucks. I don't know why they keep fucking saying that. There is zero active vitamin C in kimchi. Charlatans. It's just not true at all. So I, I, I don't know where this comes from. Kimchi does also have a lot of dietary fiber. Hey, that's good for me. Yeah, it is. Woo! Right through. It's good for your butthole. Yeah, I can't have surgery again. So people, <laughs> so people need that dietary fiber, and kimchi does have a lot of it, and that's great. It also has tyramine, which we talked about in the cheese episode. Mm. That's something that, if you're predisposed to having migraines, yeah. might trigger a migraine. So, Sean, who wrote uh, Medea 2, Mars Attacks? T- tyramine? Paratyramine. <laughs> 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 Wait, what? <laughs> Medea 2! Ah! Mars Attacks! By Terry Pyramine. Well, by Perry Tyramine. <laughs> yeah, that's... Okay. Well, fuck. Oh, because oh. his name's Tyler Perry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was like, man, your joke is fucking weird. Um, okay, so... It's no longer a joke. It's just a glimpse into my adult mind. Yes. As is most of the things I say. Kimchi is probably better for you than some stuff like other pickled foods. You anti-Semite! You anti-Semitic! Get out of here! <laughs> I would say the nutritional list of kimchi makes it better than, say, dill pickles. Makes it better than, say, sauerkraut. Okay. But I don't think it's, like, the savior of our health. Right. That some people claim. Right. Koreans tend to age slower and live longer by just genetic superiority <laughs> rather than specifically kimchi. <laughs> Well, Koreans still die of all sorts of diseases. So That's like... true. I saw a Korean dude get hit by a car once. <laughs> well, there you go. Okay. He's, he's dead. Kimchi doesn't protect you from cars. <laughs> he, did. he had it all over his body, too. From those crazy drivers in Seoul. Yeah, he t- he taped it as padding. He was like, no one's going to touch me. He's <laughs> 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 fucking dead. Anyway, I don't think Koreans are that fucking healthy. And, yeah. and, and there is this huge area of kimchi that, because it's a fermented food might confer some other kind of benefit mm. beyond what we just talked about, the vitamins and fiber and all that stuff. And that is the microbiome. Right. Okay. Oh. And this whole area is going to get a little bit tough because, as we alluded to in our very first episode, microbiome science is still kind of in its infancy, right? right. We're still learning a lot about it. Yeah. But we have been studying about what the microbiome looks like in kimchi. And so let's take a break. And when we get back, let's talk about the kimchi microbiome. Ooh. The following is an actual advertisement. Hi, welcome to The Jury Room, a true crime podcast. My name is Kevin, and I will be your host on this journey. We will be covering some of the most heinous, some of the most unthinkable, and some of the most monstrous crimes to ever be committed against humanity. We will be covering cannibalistic serial killers, decades-old unsolved mysteries, cold cases, missing person cases, and everything in between. The Jury Room Podcast is available on most major podcasting platforms. And now back to the Petri Dish. So, Sean, in a quarter teaspoon of kimchi, how many bacteria are in there? Wow, that's a great lead-in directly from my notes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in a quarter teaspoon of kimchi juice, about a billion living bacteria and a million little yeasty guys. Mm-hmm. As with all brine-pickled, lacto-fermented foods, 
you use some of the saltiness to prevent other naughty bacteria from growing so that labs, lactic acid bacteria, can grow and produce that tasty acid and some of the funky flavors that make it taste so good. Okay, cool. So what labs we got? Right. So there are a lot of different kinds in general. And there are actually six different genera of labs hanging out in kimchi. And the three main ones are Leuconostoc, Wysela, and Lactobacillus. Leuconostoc and Lactobacillus came up actually in our pickling episodes. And the story was that Leuconostoc kind of started things out. They like began the pickling process. But then once things got to a certain level of acidity, the Lactobacillus came in and took over. Right, and so these are all just like different waves of colonization bacteria. I like that imagery. <laughs> Very appropriate for our Korean food episode. <laughs> so Wyselia is a genus of bacteria, and some of the bacteria are a little bit more specific to kimchi than some of the other pickled stuff around the world. He's also the hero of the Polish Solidarity Movement, isn't he? Oh boy. Lekwaleza. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a historian, Nathan. <laughs> You're so, so anti-Polish. <laughs> He's an important man, chop. <laughs> okay, so keep going. <laughs> Fucking Polacks. <laughs> anyway, species like Wysela kimchi and Wysela karinsis. Okay, you can kind of guess those are a little bit more specific to kimchi. Karinsis. <laughs> <laughs> and they are heterofermentative. More like Leuconostoc and less like Lactobacillus. Okay, cool. So we talked about what heterofermentative means in our pickling episodes. Yeah. But just to recap, basically all of these bacteria will take some kind of sugar, like glucose, fructose, sucrose, and at the start. Like they'll eat that and then they'll poop out stuff. Okay. Right? And some of the bacteria are homofermentative, which means they'll take in the sugar and they'll poop out lactic acid. Right. And that's like the main thing that they poop out. Okay, what about acid. these heteros, though? The hetero ones will poop out all kinds of other stuff. Oh. Okay, so they'll poop out other kinds of alcohols or sugars, mannitol, acetic acid, a little bit of ethanol. Do they have a vigorous microbiome in their biome? <laughs> Why do they poop out so many different things? Their metabolic pathways, their ways of extracting energy out of sugar we'll just kind of naturally go down different paths with different enzymes and stuff. This is how I know you don't really want to answer a question of mine, is you start with metabolic pathways and you know I don't understand. No, what? <laughs> That's just their way of getting energy out of food. Right, so so I, I don't think the audience needs to hear this. But like a metabolic pathway is just like the chemical steps to like... Getting your energy. ATP out. Right. Okay. Bre breaking bonds, making a few lower energy bonds, breaking okay. them again, that kind of thing. Because it sounds to me like something from Star Trek Discovery that would be cool if we weren't talking about feelings the whole episode. <laughs> well, yeah. So it is, it's a series of chemical reactions usually aided by enzymes to make them go faster. We've hit warp 11. We're in a metabolic pathway <laughs> of the giant universal godhead who's digesting the ship. Ah, sure. Whoa. There always has to be some kind of galactic or universal godhead. I made that work. There is in my worldview. <laughs> I know not in yours because it's dark. Yeah. It's empty. It's what it is. So what's fun about these labs they're super important for the fermentative process. Yeah. But at the start of kimchi making, so day zero or day one, you have all these raw ingredients, you toss them in together, right? Yeah. They're almost non-existent. They are a super minority, less than 1% of the bacteria mm. in these raw ingredients. Right. But over the course of a month and a half to two months, they will expand out until they are by far the majority. So actually in kimchi... On day one, over 90% of the bacteria are unclassified species. Cool. As in, we don't know exactly what kind of bacteria they are. We haven't fully identified them yet. Okay. And then we're going to kill them off, though. Yes. Yeah. The labs, as they grow and as we're in a super salty environment or pretty salty environment, yeah. low oxygen, right? Yeah. Because this is all part of the pickling process. We want this to be anaerobic. These other bacteria will not be able to grow successfully. And right. instead, these labs will come in and they'll start dumping out acid and make it even worse. By day 13, all of these mystery bacteria have dropped to about 20% of the mix. Okay, so mm. they were 90% at the start. Right. And then after two weeks, they're down to 20%. That's interesting. You know, in history, that reminds me of, you know, you take a place like Gaul. Right, in like 1000 BCE. Sure. And there's all these material cultures. And some of them are presumably Celtic, at least over the next 500 years. But we don't really know exactly who they are, right? Like, they don't have written languages. 
But as you introduce a low oxygen environment, which in history would be Romans and Christianity, <laughs> very low oxygen, you slowly commit cultural genocide <laughs> yes. and winnow those people into Frenchmen today. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Although Frenchmen, I think, yeah. are less delicious than kimchi and so. annoyingly identifiable, <laughs> much like the bacteria we're talking about. <laughs> uh, well, that said, though, we are still finding new kinds of bacteria in kimchi, like Lactococcus kimchi. Lactococcus? Yeah. Milky dick kimchi. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> Are you on some milky dick? That's not right. Though. <laughs> milky the, dick joile. The caucus means uh, circular. Oh. Yeah. Thick chowed milky kimchi. <laughs> Mil- milk circle kimchi yeah. is what that is. Anyway, so that was discovered in 2020. So this year, somebody put out a paper identifying a new bacteria in kimchi. That's pretty cool. And that'll probably keep happening, right? Because I mean, oh, yeah. like, yeah, we're going to keep finding so much shit in there. Yeah. It's like you could probably do an Osmosis Jones kimchi. Oh, yeah. Right? Well, that would actually be a great time to introduce your Quattrogato character. Oh, yeah, dude. It's like Chris Rock. He's a detective <laughs> who just like, whoopsie, he's in kimchi now. <laughs> he like transferred to a new beat. Sure, right. sure. No, it's because some expat brought Chris Rock over on his hands or whatever. Oh, my God. And then went to a kimchi-making facility. Right. And then Chris Rock got knocked off or something into a vat of kimchi making. What if we make it like a literal sequel where Bill Murray, he's dead. Bill Murray's character's yeah. dead. And his daughter, you know, she moves for a job over. So we have to find that actress and like... Sure. Like really like make it very continuous, actually. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. Let's make that happen. It'll have like a Toy Story vibe. Like he has kids, you know, and they don't want to talk to Chris Rock's character anymore. <laughs> and he's like, what's my role in life? And he makes this hot doll <laughs> who's missing an arm, but she's living life, you know? I mean, we'll make it different from Toy Story in a couple ways. Only a couple, though. We got to keep the success in there. (laughs) You got free me. (laughs) We're probably going to have to do another microbiome episode at some point. Woo! Because the one that we did was like our first episode. Yeah. Right? And uh, it does seem like, you know, the gut microbiome is important for your health in some kinds of ways. And regularly eating food with a bunch of bacteria on it might help or alter or, you know, whatever, shape your gut microbiome. Okay. That said, it's not settled. All right. I know it seems obvious to people like, oh, if you eat bacteria every single day, shouldn't that change your microbiome? Some bacteria gets digested, right? Some bacteria dies or something. Right. right? It's entering into an environment that is hostile to a lot of different living things, except for like a select few, right? Right. So it it might not be that easy. Right. If he drops several kids into Hunger Games... The whole point is that a lot of them die off. Right. And also, unless you have just taken a lot of antibiotics or something. Right. They're entering into what are already established communities. Right. It's like trying to make a new car company. It's just real hard. (laughs) That's your example? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) What the fuck are you talking about? I was reading about Apple Car recently, (laughs) which is like, if those guys can't make a battery for my fucking phone that can last for fucking four months, then how the fuck are they going to make a good battery for a car? Am I right? Like, come on. Great. Yeah. Glad we did it. Okay, anyway, the point is... You apple whore. Look, all I'm saying is we need to do another episode because if most of kimchi's health benefits come from microbiome stuff, it will be a complicated story about whether that translates into humans very much. Well, this is why it's better, like, kimchi's great for Koreans and it's, like, just awful for white people, right? Because Koreans have been eating kimchi their whole lives, so their microbiome probably is all, like, kimchi configured, right? Whereas, like, for white people, it's like trying to put something on the wrong OS. Your fucking hot dog, fucking American cheese, fatty, fat, fat, fat microbiome is like, ah, like, what is this? And you boop funny. But kimchi's so delicious. I want everyone to eat kimchi. I think it's very tasty. You know, I, hey, recipe for you guys. Okay, so I sous vide a cut of pork belly, not even marinated, just a cut of pork belly with a fat ton of baekchu kimchi for, like, a full 24-hour period at 165. And the pork, you know, was marinated with all the kimchi stuff, and it was pretty good. You know, it kind of falls apart. I want to try it at 176 so it really falls apart. Uh-huh. Kind of like, you know, you're starting to get, like, something close to a balsam effect. But the kimchi, you know, that's cooking in pork fat. Yeah. And that kimchi was the tastiest fucking kimchi in kimchi civilization, dude. Wow. It was so good. Or just fry it. That's beautiful. Just fry some kimchi and a little bacon fat. No, I liked your story. It's good. Everyone sous vide your kimchi at a high enough temperature so it's not dangerous. With a cut of pork belly. With a cut of pork belly. Okay. So I think to wrap up the health section of this, what I would say is kimchi has some vitamins. Kimchi is a good source of dietary fiber. Kimchi is relatively high in sodium, 
lower than some pickled goods, but still keep an eye out on that. Right. Usually you don't eat so much kimchi that this is going to be a huge issue. Right. Usually it's a side dish along with other stuff. So maybe not the biggest concern. Okay. I would say broadly, fairly healthy. It's microbiome effects. Not sure yet. Complicated. And it's going to take a long time to really figure that out. And I bet it depends on person, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Probably one of the reasons why it's so complicated to figure out. Yeah. It's better um, for you than me. Because you've liked kimchi for so many years. That's true. Your body's used to it. Yes. Whereas I've liked kimchi for like three years, and my body's still mad about it. Well, do your best. <laughs> Don't look do at you... me like that. <laughs> Looking at my love handles. I go... Good luck, buddy. You're so cute. Fuck you. Okay. Um, uh, I've heard around the campfire, you know, you give... Look, we're both half Caucasian. That means this podcast is half white. I love white people. I love... I... I, I love white people, right? Wow. But, 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 you let hipster white people eat anything for more than a week, and suddenly there's a vegan version. That is true. So, Sean, is kimchi not vegan? Like, what? what's the deal? Is there a distinction between vegan kimchi? I thought kimchi was vegetables anyway. Yeah, great question. Kimchi, traditional kimchi, most of the time, is not vegan, okay? It's nearly vegan in that you don't normally toss in, you know, some ground beef or something like that. And usually there's not very many animal products, but often you have some kind of chotka, some kind of salted marine stuff. Right. And that brings a lot of kind of important flavor to kimchi. It does. Yes. So that can be like fermented salted fish. And a lot of these kinds of things have bacteria in them like Tetragenococcus halophilus, <laughs> uh, which is actually a pretty common bacteria in fermented seafood. That's like the genesis of four cocks of angel penises. Oh, because a halo. Yeah. I got you. Angelic penis four cock. Halo is talking about the salt, actually. So oh, it, really? it, it says that it loves salt. It's oh, a salt loving okay. oh. four. I see. I read Gino that as halo cock. Yeah. Anyway. Should be like a heavenly peen. So there are now, though, brands of kimchi that are vegan and they do not include any kind of chotka. Do they taste good? I have had one before, and I thought it tasted okay. Okay. But if it was just, like, take out the chokal and then don't replace it with anything, it probably would not taste as good. Chokal is important for adding some saltiness, but then also a lot of umami flavor. Okay, it's pretty high in glutamate levels. And so just cutting it out would make the kimchi less flavorful. What can you put instead? Right. A lot of these artisanal folks will add in miso paste. Does that fuck up its nutritional value? Not... I would say in any kind of way not compared to the seafood. Because the bacteria at the end of the fermentation process <clears throat> is not really what the seafood's bringing anyway. Right. So that is actually something, though, that they did not know until kind of recently. Oh, okay. So because there is, like I said, that Tetragenococcus halophilus, that is ultimately a fermentative bacteria. So you could imagine it being there at the start would mean, oh, it's going to be part of the community. It's going to do the fermentation of the kimchi. No, it gets ostracized. It does. Yeah. Even if it starts out in the kimchi there, within a couple of weeks, it's pretty much gone. Wow. It's been completely wiped out by the normal labs that do the normal work in all other kimchi making. Racism. So, I mean, it is interesting that at day zero, the chotkal versus miso kind of proto-kimchis have pretty different microbiomes. But by the end of fermentation, their Do microbiomes are very similar. Doesn't matter. Because all shit's gone anyway. Yeah. There might be some differences in the metabolites, the stuff that the bacteria pooped out along the way. And some of those differences are like biggest kind of halfway through fermentation. Okay. So like at day 24. But day 24 is not normally when you would eat kimchi that is fermented cold, kind of the more traditional way that you ferment kimchi. So, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of fermentation, both in metabolites and in microbiomes, vegan versus regular kimchi are pretty similar. Okay. okay. Now, That's cool. there are different varieties of kimchi from like different parts of Korea, even bechu, right? They'll put in different jokkal or something like that. Totally. And so I've had some that are like distinctly more seafoody. Right. And so, if that's something you like, the vegan kimchi is not going to replicate that, right? There are definitely flavor aspects that will not be the same. Right. But in terms of fermentation, they're both getting fermented almost the same by the end of it. There's got to be some funk-ass sea thing that you could put into a vegan kimchi that would be kind of like an anchovy, right? Like, like I don't know. There's got to oh, be some, some sort some of... kind of plant-based yeah, like thing or something. <laughs> I don't know. There's got to be some funk-ass <laughs> shit. The ocean's so big. 
Yeah, yeah, probably. You just got to make sure it's not an animal, right? Because otherwise vegans uh, will get mad at you. I was going to say putting a sea cucumber. But that's tricky. Yeah. Because they're actually animals. Right, even though they say cucumber. Yeah. I will say, by the way, that, you know, we were talking about the differences between vegan kimchi and the chokkal added traditional kimchi. Yeah. But one of the bigger differences in terms of microbiome is actually kimchi that's fermented at room temperature versus kimchi that's fermented cold. That's cool. Because cold fermentation is the traditional way of doing kimchi, right? You'll, you'll pack them into those big ceramic containers and then you like bury them underground through like the winter. Or right. Whatever, right. Whereas nowadays, a lot of kimchi is made at a Korean market by ajumas yeah, and shoved that. into those plastic tubs. And then they usually ferment at like room temperature for like a day. Or something. Right. And then you take them home. Is there a meaningful distinction between doing it those two ways? The microbiomes are pretty distinctly different. Oh. Yeah. So they actually end up being fairly different fermentative groups of bacteria during those two time periods. Does that impact the taste? Uh, that's a good question. Probably someone says yes. And probably someone says no. Yeah, well, so because in traditional kimchi, at the end of the day, there's so many different things that can subtly affect flavor. And also people will eat the kimchi at different points. Right. You know, there are families. Or Mama was talking to me about, she watched some documentary about some family. They have like their kimchi cave or something right. like that. And they have like kimchis from like, this kimchi is from 1953 or whatever, you know? like Jesus, dude. So... What the fuck does that taste like? Right. Huh? So a lot of these things are going to taste pretty different from each yeah. other, right? So, you know, I don't know at the end of the day how much that microbiome thing is going to matter. But, hey, it's all delicious to mm. me. It's all tasty kimchis when I buy it at the Korean market. We made kimchi recently. Right. Yeah. Uh, did you guys leave your kimchi out and then put it in the refrigerator or did you put it directly in the fridge? Put it in the fridge. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm not in charge of that. I put mine in the fridge. I want it to wait. Well, I was about to say, so that it just changes how long it takes, basically? Yeah. We yeah. do still have some kimchi from the supermarket anyway, so I guess probably should kill that first. Yeah, me too. I got a tub, yeah. and then I'm going to wait maybe like a month or something before I eat. Although what's cool about that sous vide thing I was talking about is that ancient-ass kimchi is really good for that too. Mm. You know, like, we only did it with some pretty old kimchi, so, like, a few months probably, so... It's well, good. that sounds tasty. Yeah. Anyway, everyone, so this was our kimchi episode... I think, to recap, kimchi currently exists. Yeah. It came into existence at some point in the past. Yeah. <laughs> it is now very Korean. Korean and culture is very much tied up, intertwined with kimchi. Yeah, if you don't like kimchi, you're, you're not Korean. You can't get citizenship. <laughs> you do not get to serve in the military. You can't be a part of ARMY for BTS either. Yeah, it's true. You can't be part of BTS. Yeah, it's part of the test. And then health effects of kimchi. I think there are some. But I think that a lot of the health impacts are overblown. There's a little bit of hype to it. Yeah. Eat all the kinds of kimchi you want. If you are a vegan person, eat vegan kimchi. Mm. Proud. If you're if you like meat, put some pig in there. Yeah, yeah, do the Nathan style. Do the Nathan style. Alright, so let's say thank you to Stacy Song, our sound lord and engineer. Thank you to Brian and Griffin for miscellaneous arts. Yeah, and uh, you can go ahead and tweet at us on Twitter at Dish Podcast. Or you can email us at petridishpod at gmail.com. Sign up for our Patreon. Yep. Keep us going into the next year. Patreon.com slash petridish. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>